0: Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blog cast. This is episode one hundred and ninety-three. How are you doing? <laughs> um, this is. Uh, I'm recording this on March twenty third, which is I don't know what day of New York's shutdown. But it's sort of hard to know when to count from. <laughs> when when did this begin? Uh, And I, I'm just, I I think this is probably true for a lot of you who are listening, having a, having a time. We're all having a time. (laughs) Crazy time. Um, so I'm not going to do either of the virus themed (laughs) posts that I've written recently, um, because they're. Well, I don't have a song for them yet, frankly. That's that's mostly the reason. Um, and in fact, the the post I'm going to give you is like completely out of order also, um, mostly because um, it, it's really about, yeah, it's, it's about the song situation. <laughs> what song I can get in shape first um, under less than ideal circumstances. <laughs> um, so... Uh, this one is um, maybe it'll be a, a good break from the nonstop virus coverage. Um, I, I, I don't know. My, my sense is that, that, you know, folks aren't really, well, I know they're not reading blogs or listening to podcasts much, at least not mine. Um, And I think that's true for a lot of people. I noticed on several of my podcasting groups, you know, a lot of people are like, what's up with my stats? They are in the the toilet. Terrible. What did I do? Some of them wondered. Come on. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. (laughs) Um, So if you're listening, thank you. Uh, You are one of the few. Um, That is always true, but it is especially true right now. (laughs) Uh, so if I'm a voice that you're choosing to listen to in the middle of a crisis, um, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad to be with you as I'm glad to be with humans at this point. Whee! It does make you appreciate a hug, like a lot, right? Like, woo! I, I, am, I am glad I am uh, sheltering with a hugger. Otherwise, I, I'm not sure how I'd be um and those of you who are are not i i send you virtual hugs cuz anyway the, the, enough quarantine talk <laughs> just going to get into some political talk which is going to be i don't know i don't know how this feels right now i wrote this on well i posted it on march 8th which feels like 27 million years ago but was only a handful of days. (laughs) That's a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, but it already feels like a million years ago. Uh, Anyway, I'm still going to give it to you because I I think it's still true um, and still important. Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) In a different kind of a way, in a different kind of a way. Um, So without further ado, I give to you A bereft, heartbroken, furious, hopeless, bad mood. The morning after Super Tuesday, I woke up with a song in my head. It's a song I put on my feminist playlist a while ago, and every time it comes around, I think, what is this? And what is it doing on this playlist? Then the line about the glass ceiling comes along, and I understand why it's there, but then I have to see who it is. Many times I have said, Miley Cyrus? Really? But now, I know bad mood so well, I will never forget again. I've been listening to it on solid repeat, and I've been crying. I feel ridiculous about it, but I am in a bad mood, and feeling very discouraged about the possibility of any glass ceilings ever breaking. Miley Cyrus is, weirdly helping me through it. I know I shouldn't take Warren's losses to heart, but I just can't help it. I was invested in her and her candidacy, and I hoped she would win. The good news is that I apparently haven't lost the capacity for hope in this current climate. The bad news is that feeling hope can lead to a big letdown. I'm accustomed to hope hangovers, but this one is a doozy. In this case, the hope led directly to a feeling of hopelessness. To see a candidate as qualified and capable and clear and prepared as Warren be rejected by so many American voters and specifically Democratic liberal voters, it's just devastating. I think if it were just the rejecting, I'd be all right, but it's not as simple as American voters rejecting my candidate. I'm here listening to Bad Mood on repeat, crying, and trying to piece together why. Sometimes it's the little things, like some dumb tweets before Super Tuesday suggesting Warren would make a good Secretary of Education, or Secretary of the Treasury, and should therefore have dropped out of the race. Those jobs may technically be prestigious, but mostly it seemed like a way to suggest that a lady shouldn't be in charge. Why can't she just be a secretary like the other ladies? Why does she want to be president? She could serve the president instead. Maybe bring him his coffee. There's also the methinks they do protest too muchers who say, why do you have to bring gender into it? I'm not sexist. I just didn't like this one. If you think gender isn't playing a role in your choice to choose man after man, you are fooling yourself about that something you happen to like over and over in men. It's unconscious bias, and Rebecca Solnit wrote a great piece about it last year. What you see as leadership qualities are actually gendered. You're just missing it. I know there are a lot of people who chose the white man they did for very important reasons, But a lot of people chose the white man they chose because they thought other people would choose him. This is called pluralistic ignorance, and it's basically everyone assuming everyone else is going to make the less sensible choice. So they all make a choice they didn't want together. Would you vote for someone just because she's a woman? People love this one. And obviously, the answer is no. I would not vote for Tulsi Gabbard or Marianne Williamson. I did not vote for Sarah Palin. But when a highly qualified woman shows up who could do the job better than I can even imagine, you bet your ass I'm going to vote for her. Millions of people didn't vote for her because she's a woman. Not because they're sexist, no, but because they're sure their neighbors are. In other words, while feminists get hell for voting for women, people are en masse... Choosing candidates because they are men. So yes, Warren's womanhood was a big factor in my enthusiasm to vote for her. But guess what? I can't. I couldn't. Because our voting system is so ridiculous and disenfranchising, I didn't get to cast a vote in the presidential primary, and my choice was eliminated. And I feel absolutely cheated. My sense of disenfranchisement is, by the way, nothing compared to people who lost their polling places and had to wait eight hours to vote. We have a lot to fix. Help Stacey Abrams defend voting rights. There's a link. When I started writing this post, it wasn't yet clear what the Warren campaign was going to do. But even before the nail was in the coffin of her candidacy, I knew a lot of people were going to be jerks about it. They were jerks about it immediately. Many of them are still being jerks. Almost every woman I know is grieving deeply and the internet is not helping the situation one bit. I started snoozing people on Facebook when someone implied that if we weren't tough enough to take some abuse on the internet, then maybe our candidate shouldn't be president. Oh, don't get me started on the ways women are targeted on the internet. (laughs) I don't have the strength to break down how attacks on a female candidate can feel like surrogate attacks on her supporters. Suffice it to say that this shit is personal. Sometimes women can be afraid to say who they are supporting for fear of these much-publicized attacks. It happened in 2016, and it happened just now, too. I'm struggling with how much misogyny there is to go around. I mean, the guy who most people voted for? is a guy who has a lousy track record with women. And you might roll your eyes and say, oh, that touching thing? He's just a touchy-feely guy. Big deal. Me too has gone too far. But it's more than him not respecting the bodily autonomy of women and children. He has, in his many positions in government, made women's lives harder. He threw Anita Hill under the bus and thereby threw women experiencing sexual harassment around the country under the bus and got a serial harasser on the Supreme Court, the repercussions of which we are still dealing with today. He sold out women's reproductive rights in so many ways. Aside from his vigorous support of the Hyde and Hatch amendments, he named an amendment after himself that would have limited foreign aid to biomedical aid that might be connected to abortions. He liked that bill so much he named it after himself. I mean, of course I'll vote for him if he's the nominee. Of course I will. Relax. Okay? I mean, of course. But for all the talk of women making progress, women getting elected to Congress, women's marches, etc., this is one area there's not even been a hint of progress. For all the talk of Me Too going too far... Only a handful of people have experienced any real consequences. There's just as much sexual harassment to go around. It's just that now it includes the extra joke of, I hope I don't get me too'd. I'm just so mad. I'm mad again about the voters who said, I'm not sexist, but I think other people will be, which is just, you're right. They were. But you just voted for sexism. You were like, sexism. I see you. And rather than fight you, I will encourage you by voting for you. Thanks a fucking lot. People are out here voting like it's a horse race, and they're worried about the money they have on the winner. Actually, that is what is happening for the Democratic donor class. But if you don't have actual money riding on these people, you can just vote for who you want. That's ideally how it should go. But no. Hordes of my fellow Democrats felt that they needed to bet on a winner, and now I'm not going to be able to vote for my choice in April. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You strategized my vote out from under me, and now I'm not just mad about Warren. I would love to have had a chance to wonder if I should vote for Julian Castro or Kamala Harris or Kirsten Gillibrand, but the system chewed them up, too. I'm taking this all very personally. It feels like the world keeps inventing new ways to tell American women that we don't matter. The 2016 election was the first major blow. The Kavanaugh hearings were the second. And now this loss feels like the patriarchy held up the football for us and told us to kick it. Go ahead. And then knocked us down like Charlie Brown. Go ahead, girls. You can do anything. You're strong. You're smart. You can achieve anything you set your minds to. Go for it! Except we're going to put every possible obstacle in your way, and when you fail, we will make a long list of all the ways you failed. Girl power! Hashtag girl boss! Hashtag women on top! In addition to the Miley Cyrus song, I found myself listening to Taylor Swift's The Man as well. Maybe because of a video of it featuring Warren. Don't watch it if you don't want to get sad. I've been thinking about how odd it is that two of the major female pop stars of the last decade are expressing feminist ideas. It's not that I thought that they didn't experience sexism, more that I thought their success within the system would make them unlikely to challenge it. But age and experience makes feminists of even the strangest beneficiaries of the patriarchy. The rest of us might look at Swift and Cyrus and say they're at the top of the pile— but they know all the ways they have been held back, and they're old enough now to be brave and sing about them. What I'm trying to say is that even the world's best hashtag girlboss is still being held back by the patriarchy, and she knows it. Taylor Swift may already be the man by some standards, but she knows how much more the man she could be. I don't think these are the ladies that will provide the anthem songs when American women finally reach absolute capacity for sexism and start a bloody revolution. Is it now? It's not now, is it? I didn't buy a machete yet. But for this moment, when we're looking at these large-scale losses, they're doing some hashtag girl consoling. Anyway. Anyway. I read this article that came out this week that demonstrates that 9 out of 10 people are biased against women. So that's nice. There are only five countries that have equitable sensibilities. America is, no surprise, not one of those countries. Not even close. I don't know what to do with this information. We are losing ground. Even the countries that experience equity are losing ground. It feels like there's not much to hope for now. We can hope one of these white guys defeats the horrible white guy in the president's chair and thereby maybe regain some of the footholds we had before. And we will, of course, work for that. But personally, and this is really all very personal, all I can do is write through it. This is long and messy, and that is surely how my healing and mourning will go. I have less hope now than I did. But it's good to know I can hope, after the blows we've experienced. I could start falling into the conspiracy theorist's tunnel here, if I let myself. You know the theory? It's the one that recognizes how incredibly terrified of a Warren presidency so many special interest groups were. Warren's plan to cancel student loan debt on the first day of her presidency was simple, clear, and lays out exactly what would happen. When I saw the headline on her website, I thought, wow, that's a big promise. How could she possibly do that? Turns out she spotted the way to use executive power to do it, and she explains it step by step. It's so clear. Any president who doesn't do it now is going to look like a real jerk. If the potential to have student loan canceled didn't make the loan companies quake in their predatory boots, I'm not sure what would. The same is also true for a multitude of other immoral businesses, like health insurers and Wall Street brokers, many of whom are political donors. My conspiracy theory brain leads me to suspect that a lot of these places made sure that Warren's campaign didn't get coverage in a lot of media outlets, so much so that they just left her out of their graphics of primary results. What, is she the Gen X of presidential campaigns? Or it could just be sexism. Just regular old boring sexism. Just every day, every minute, every second. Sexism. Others have documented the many ways sexism tanked this campaign, but for me, the bits that are most painful are the ways Warren's language was so willfully misunderstood by the sexism machine. It feels like an attempt to... Gaslight voters to tell them, no, no, you're not listening to a reasonable, clear speech suggesting how we might change the world for the better. You're listening to a shrill harpy with boundless, craven ambition. I think you'd need an Orwellian level of denial to see her that way. But we are maybe moving ever closer to the 1984 style of denying your own eyes and ears. So I guess that a little of that messaging actually fucking worked. And I suppose one of the things that shakes me most is how it makes clear that this funhouse mirror is happening to all of us, even the ones who aren't running for president. That is, even at my most reasonable and clear, I will be seen as bitchy and shrill, no matter what is actually happening. I used to think I could sweet-talk my way out of gender bias. But now I understand that a lot of people have a filter that hears women's voices as duplicitous, annoying, and overly ambitious, no matter who is speaking or what we are saying. The bulk of the terrible media coverage was mostly just erasure and not the old school but her emails sort of thing. Leaving her out of highlight reels and lists and things was seemingly the most effective strategy. Maybe that's because we're not actually at peak deny your eyes and ears levels yet. So maybe that's the good news. There's been a lot of great articles and a lot of press now that it's safe to talk about Warren without risking actually having her give us health care. Warren is the most popular she's ever been now that she's lost. Apparently, this is a thing we do. In the closing of her book about the 2008 election, Rebecca Traster points out that women only win when they're losing. Clinton's popularity soars when she's lost something. Gloria Steinem explained it to Traister this way, It's always been okay for women to sing the blues, just not so good for us to win. We all know, deep in our hearts, if we want to be loved, we have to lose. Rachel Maddow managed to make me feel a little better when she asked Warren about all the women who are just bereft at this development, because that's me. That's so many women I know. Maddow included us in a national conversation, which felt sort of monumental in a moment wherein I feel as though I'm being reminded again of how little I matter. Warren's loss made me feel as though I don't matter as a woman, and it made my actual vote not matter because I live in New York. I know I do matter, and that my vote in April will matter to the man I choose to give it to, but wow, do I feel tossed aside. And learning that so many other women I know were also bereft, also paralyzed, also weeping, also raging, also just... Done. 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 Well, it helps. I get it. I got it. The GOP have basically taken the country hostage by saddling us with this administration and blocking witnesses for the impeachment and refusing to vote on vital legislation. With this many guns to our heads, Democrats are not inclined to take risks. Rather than thinking about who would be the best at planning and negotiating our escape from our captors, American voters are just trying not to get shot. We're all huddled together, and Elizabeth Warren says, I have a plan to get us out of here. And a lot of people say, shh, why do you have to be so shrill? And Joe Biden says, I think I know these guys. I can talk to them. And a lot of people seem to have made the calculus that the captors would like the candidate most like the captors themselves. And I don't know, at the moment... I'm not thrilled about our odds of getting out of this hostage situation. Nor do I have any hope that I would ever be listened to with my lady schoolmarm voice. One of the reasons I find Warren's loss in the primaries so distressing is because I hoped her competency, her passion, and her skill would shine through the sexist ocean we swim in and the country would follow her light out of the murk. I take this personally because I also have competencies, passions, and skills that get obscured in the sexist ocean. And if Elizabeth Warren can't shine through, what the hell hopes have I? I'm not running for president, but trying to survive in the arts has pretty low odds as well. After so many years of struggling and the patriarchal setbacks of this hostage situation, I've lost a lot of my fight. I felt like I was just starting to get it back, watching Elizabeth Warren take on the bad guys. I know she wants us all to keep fighting, and of course we will. But I don't feel very up to the task right now, which is why I need bad mood, I guess. The lyrics aren't particularly deep, but they do the job. So on the blog, I uh, I put the lyrics of the song, since I figured most people wouldn't click through to listen to it. Um, but I, I didn't recite them to you, because I'm going to sing it, as you might imagine. You probably figured it out long ago, what song was going to be here at the end of the blog, and it is Miley Cyrus's Bad Mood. Uh, yeah, so that's coming. Uh, I did, I almost sang like a line or two of it at the end of the thing here, but I'm just, you know, we're saving it up. <laughs> the Miley Cyrus is the, is the treat. Mm, I don't know. Um, yeah, I just, wow. I, I um, how much would I like for Elizabeth Warren to be president right now? Like right now, please. Could we, could we have her now? Thank you. <laughs> I mean... Honestly, uh, yeah, it's a, I, the, I thought like, oh, maybe this won't be so painful now to to be reading given the situation. Like, it just feels like, oh, everything is on fire. I'm mean, so technically on fire. Everything's just actually just super quiet and nobody's doing anything. But uh, yeah, I, I, so I thought like, oh, maybe this is not going to be quite so, so painful in the end. And it is, it's still, it's still painful because I don't know if any of you saw that Rachel Maddow interview but like there's a certain point where, where Maddow asks her so what's the deal with like coronavirus and the connection to the economics situation and she lays out like the facts in in a way like now it's completely obvious but at the time which was a couple of weeks before this went down um she just laid it out like so clearly what what what's what was about to happen basically and in an incredibly clear and understandable manner that was like Rachel Maddow, like put her head in her hands and was just like, can you imagine if we had a president who could just like, I can't remember exactly the language she used, but she was like, if we had a president who could just talk about these things like that. And um, even though she didn't even know that I was going to ask that question. (laughs) Anyway, it was clearly a moment. It was a moment. And I feel like I'm feeling that moment all the time. But Elizabeth Warren is working like a dog to uh, do whatever she can in the position she's in. So I'm still thankful for her. And I have to remember, she's not dead. She's she's working. She's just working in where she is. So I'm still grateful for her. Um, yeah. <sighs> right? Okay. So if you like the podcast, there's lots of ways to support it. Uh, One, tell somebody. Two, share it with somebody. Three, rate and review and subscribe in various and sundry podcast apps, wherever you're listening. And Also, if you want to support it financially, that would be amazing. Patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis is the prime spot to be a monthly supporter. And then there's also Ko-fi and PayPal and... Um, in these times, it's particularly helpful. So thank you for, for that, for those of you who are in those places. I'm very grateful. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's all I have to tell you. Um, I'm going to give you Miley Cyrus's Bad Mood in just a moment. It is on ukulele, of course, because, of course, um there is a moment where the mic gets like a I, – I, I gave a little too much voice to the mic. Um, and if I had kind of more time and space to um, to do this, I might have take, given it another take to avoid doing that. But as it is, it is actually how I feel. Like blowing out the mic in that moment is exactly – is exactly my feelings so um, I'm letting it ride but I'm just warning you in case you feel like oh here it comes and you need to turn down your thing <laughs> sorry I got a little loud um so thank you um for listening really and truly I'm, I'm glad to be in at least vocal contact with those of you who are here And everybody stay safe and be well. Okay, here is Miley Cyrus's Bad Mood.
1: a bad mood